Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. We are going to be uh, looking at this idea of having a different mindset. We're going to talk about the the mind and its effect on how our thinking uh, is really what determines our actions. And it's important to uh, to consider that as Christians, our responsibility for the way that we act and behave is uh, really uh, rooted in our view of God's Word. So we have to allow and be willing to uh, mold our own will, uh, kind of shape our own will to God's Word and His thinking. So we're going to walk through some scriptural texts that will give us uh, some different verses that will help us to um, keep these things at the forefront of our mind and really see how this transformation uh, takes place. And when we're talking about transformation, one of the best places to go to is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It gives us a picture of what this uh, changing of mindset, uh, how it affects our thinking and how it affects our behavior, and really what it looks like. Um, and it's important for us as Christians that once we give our lives to Christ to begin thinking the way that Christ thought, and we can see that in two ways. Number one, we observe it in the scriptures as we read the testimony of Christ and how he acted and behaved. And secondly, the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in us, that uh, helps uh, us with each step that we take in the Christian life. So Paul spends about 11 chapters in Romans laying out things like justice, wisdom, holiness, love, and the faithfulness that God puts on display, all of this through salvation um, that's that's given to us as we are undeserving. So once uh, this this grand, grand pivot right takes place in Romans, Paul then appeals to his readers based on those mercies of the things we just talked about, God's infinite justice and wisdom and holiness and love and faithfulness, all those things he's given to us. And he says, now here's how we are to behave. And he, he calls us to present ourselves to God, as the verse says, as living sacrifices. And we're not uh, doing this uh, without any um, previous uh, instruction. Jesus has already lived this out for us, so we know what it looks like. He says to live out as living sacrifices just as Jesus did. And then there's these four observations about what this type of submission looks like. So as we read the verse in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, there's some things that we draw away. And that is, first, it is a willing submission. God designs it so that we must submit to his saving work. He isn't compelling us. He is giving us the opportunity to, to, to submit. So worshipers of God come willingly. And this is the relationship that God has designed us for, so that we come willingly by faith to him because of what he's done for us. The second thing is that this is what we would call a worshipful submission. So we have a willing submission, and now we have a worshipful submission, and that we now, having submitted to God's will, God's people live as testimonies of God's saving power. So our lives, if we think about it that way, serve as a kind of uh, infomercial for salvation. Some people seek salvation that does not involve change. We need to be very careful that that is not what we are pursuing, but we are walking closely with Christ, and by doing so, that involves a total and complete surrender, a living sacrifice. So this testimony of surrender is, is, is us expressing to the world what God's worth and value is to us. It tells the world that we have found in Christ the richest of all treasures, that, that nothing else can satisfy the way that God satisfies. Nothing will meet our need like Christ has already met our need. It is the loveliest of loves. It is the greatest. He is the greatest of all kings. Nothing can compare to this. And some of our worship will involve things like praying. It may involve things like preaching, or it may involve things like singing. But ultimately, it is our, our, our obedience that is submission to God. So we put these things on display to show our value of how we value Jesus Christ. Paul calls this surrender a living sacrifice. You see, anyone can kill a sheep. But only worshipers can submit. 
He clarified that this was holy and acceptable to God. Willing submission to the Lordship of Christ is the single greatest act of worship that we can render to him. Always keep that in mind, that it is our obedience that Christ requires. If you go back to the Old Testament, where Samuel tells Saul that God requires obedience more than sacrifice, and that for us, our obedience is our greatest sacrifice. So we talked about willing submission, worshipful submission. The third thing to, to, to submission to God is what I'll call countercultural submission. And this demands that we will put um, the living out as Christ, um, we'll put that on full display even when it is at odds with the world around us. He will shape us instead of letting the culture shape us. And as we become living sacrifices, we are no longer conformed or squeezed into the mold of this world. Here's the thing, and, and you experience this in your daily life, whether it's at home, whether it's with your family, extended family, at your workplace, wherever you are in the community, the world doesn't mind certain kinds of individuality. But the line is often drawn when that difference demands an allegiance to Jesus Christ. So when your allegiance to Christ is at odds with the values of the community around you, that is when being a living sacrifice really matters. That's when being a living sacrifice is really put on display. Because history tells the story of men and women of God whose living sacrifice to Christ caused them to become dying sacrifices at the hands of rulers and unbelievers. Now, that may not be a popular, a popular thing, but ultimately, if the culture moves and strays so far away from God that, that following Christ becomes really uh, a dangerous to your own well-being, we still, just as Paul did, just as the apostles, just as the first century believers did, we still follow Christ. Regardless, that's what it truly means to be a living sacrifice. Some believers wish to have the promise of salvation of God, but they would also like to have the favor of the culture at the same time. And we all fall into this trap. I fall into this trap. You fall into this trap. It is right that we live at peace with everyone if we can. But there are some times when the world sets itself against the things of God. The world has set itself against the kingdom of God, but believers are still called to live countercultural lives. And here's the thing, not for the sake of just being at odds, but for the purpose of displaying our love for God above our desire for favor from the world. So we have willing submission, we have worshipful submission, countercultural submission, and finally the fourth thing is transformative submission. This kind of submission to God will ultimately change us. You see, the power of Christ will renew our minds. And this is, a, this is a process. It isn't an immediate thing. It isn't an immediate light switch. We are immediately made alive to respond to the Holy Spirit's calling and drawing in our lives and the coaching, as I like to say it, of our, as long as we will submit and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, it guides us. But it is a process. It's like when you go and learn any new endeavor. When I first began to play basketball as a middle schooler, right, I wasn't very good. And hopefully over time that process improved and it took work and effort and listening to coaches and people that were trying to guide me to do things the right way. And ultimately over time, these things, I got better and better and better and better. Well, here as a Christian, we are, again, conforming our lives to the Holy Spirit guiding and direction and putting the work and the effort and the discipline and the renewing of our minds and character. And ultimately, we become different people than we were before. The change like that of a caterpillar, you probably used the illustration in the past about um, coming out of a cocoon is gradual, but it's also total. There's a complete transformation. We are different. Paul has challenged his Roman readers to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. We think differently. We act differently. We speak differently. We walk differently. God's purpose in salvation is more than keeping us out of the torments of hell. It includes changing our way of life and thought to match his thinking. 
In order to live differently, we must think differently. And people can alter their actions out of fear or in order to avoid embarrassment or punishment, but their thoughts define who they really are. You see, God transforms his his people in such a way that our desires, patterns of thought, and habits shift to reflect the character of Christ. So keep this in mind. God's people must experience this transformation or we will fail to show the love and character of Christ to the world that watches us. The Spirit of God is the most important agent of change. And like a master carpenter walking into a rundown house for a renovation, the Spirit takes up residence in our lives, throwing away the old and constructing the new. The Word of God is the primary tool of this Spirit-guided renovation project. The Bible reveals to us what God has done, how God thinks, and what God expects of us. And also the Spirit of God uses the influence of other believers to teach us and hold us accountable to this new way of life. Mature believers help train new believers in the ways of God. So by the renewing of our mind, we become living sacrifices, allowing God to work in us and through us. The Holy Spirit knows what he's getting into. When you put your faith in Christ, he looked at the structure of your life and he knew exactly what he was dealing with. But as a master carpenter, he is shoring up and reshaping and reforming and transforming us into a beautiful picture of what it means to look like Christ. So where do we step from there? Well, we begin to think like Christ, and by doing so, we begin to put others ahead of ourselves. We see this picture in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. We see the humility of Jesus put on display as he puts on flesh, as the Word of God says, and he humbles himself, becomes obedient unto death. So what are some things that we should realize? We should first realize that Christ-minded people possess a realistic view of themselves. We see who we are. We understand that the problems and the vices that we would like to engage in are the things that are what would hinder us from being like Christ. The second thing is that we think like Jesus when we see other people as God sees them. You know, people are precious to God. Even with their flaws, we can can be sure of two facts about any person on the face of this globe. The first is that they bear in the person the image of God. This was God's design for humanity from the beginning. And second, we know that everyone has sinned against God. Yet still God loves them, and he gave himself for them, and he humbled himself so that he could bring them back into relationship with him. The third thing is that Christ set an example for us by thinking of the needs of others ahead of his own. If our burning desire is to be like Jesus, then selfless love is one of the core traits that we must model, just like Jesus did. And we may best construct a proper view of ourselves and others by viewing Christ in his brilliance and his glory. And no passage explains the mind of Christ better than Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. This humble service role that God endures the incredible pain of the cross and of our sin so that we might be reunited with him. So thinking like Christ means putting others ahead of ourselves. And then secondly, thinking like Christ means focusing on what is good, on what is right, and what is honorable. And when we get to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, remember, this is a change in mindset. So we're renewing our minds. We are presenting ourselves as living sacrifice. So then we ask ourselves the question, well, what is God thinking about? What was on the mind of Jesus as we read through the Gospels? Well, these things are put on display in Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. What should we be thinking about? So for those with the mind of Christ, we choose to think about what is good, what is pure, and what is excellent. You've probably heard the old phrase that garbage in, garbage out, that our minds, if we put garbage in there, eventually our, 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 our mouths will tell on us. If we fill our minds with the waste of this world, we will have difficulty centering our thoughts on the things of God. Attractions that, that, that vie for our attention, like entertainment and social media and career status, they do not contain the spiritual nutrients necessary to build Christ-minded people. 
You see, Paul wanted believers to fill their minds with materials of the highest moral and intellectual quality so that their minds would be well-trained for the things of God. We do this primarily through learning God's Word. This kind of effort shaves the world's distractions from our minds so that we will think and live more like Christ. And then secondly, how do we keep our minds focused on what is good, what is right, what is honorable? Christ-minded people practice the truths and principles that they discover. It's one thing to know, but it's a whole other thing to do. Here in Philippians, we found earlier the Scripture said that it is God that works in us to will and to do. And we mentioned another time that sometimes the farthest distance in life, in the Christian life, is between the willing and the doing. So God not only demands that we think pure thoughts, he also demands that we live pure lives. So when a believer develops a mind like that of Jesus, he or she will soon begin to live like Jesus. After teaching how the Philippian believers should think, Paul then instructs them to put those principles into action so that the God of peace will be with them. There's something peaceful about living a life and, th- and having a, a mind that is thinking on things that are good, that are right, that are honorable, that are excellent, that are above reproach. Because we're not always looking over our shoulder at the consequences that will come. And when we are focused on these good and we have this new mindset, what comes with that is a mind of peace. We are, we are in unity with how God has designed us, how God has created us. So in other words, believers should read and study the scriptures so the broad content of God's word begins to fill their minds. Then they can put into action what they are learning. You see, James understood this relationship between the word and obedience. When he challenged believers to go beyond just hearing what God's word says, we should then put it into practice. Let us not be hearers only, but let us be doers of the word that we are putting into our mind. And I am certain that as we allow God to renew our minds and shape our thinking, we will be completely transformed. And the transformation that's taking place is that we will become like Christ. I hope this lesson has been helpful. I hope it's encouraged you to take a step out in faith, to trust the Lord with whatever he's working on in your heart today and whatever he's working on in your heart this morning. Thank you for studying with us. I look forward to being with you next time on the Calvary Couples Podcast.